How's everyone doing this morning? It's just something about uh, being in church, worshiping the Lord. Just um, I don't know. I don't know. I just I, I just feel like every time I get up to preach, I'm like, wow, it's a great day to be in the house. It's a great day to worship the Lord. There's something about uh, just uh, standing in His presence with our church family and just lifting His name. It's just it's exciting. I'm happy to reach Sunday on actual Sunday. I've had a reasonably busy week, and I uh, I attended a first aid course, yay, (laughs) on Thursday. And I went to bed that night thinking, oh, I've got a lot of work to do on my message. And I dreamt that I arrived at work on on, uh, Friday morning, and people were here setting up as if it was Sunday. And I went up to Tom, and I said, Tom, what day is this? And he's like, it's Sunday. And I was like, okay. So I went into my office, I'm like, I'm preaching, I'm not ready. But I'm happy to say that Friday was Friday, today is Sunday, there's been two days, and I am actually ready. So it's a good day. <laughs> As Tom said, our March series is called Our House. Um, I love the concept of Our House, I love the concept of um, the title. I've always... I've always viewed the church as a family. I've always viewed the church. um, So therefore, our house is fitting because in our house, we have our family. In our house, we are comfortable. In our house, we take pride in what we do. In our house, we have responsibility. When I moved from Auckland, I'd been in an independent Pentecostal church, and I, and I came to Elam, and I was, I was a bit worried, because I've been in this church for a really long time, and I was like, oh, but it'll be different, and what if it's not the same, and of course it's not the same, but, uh, you know, I was, I was a little bit nervous, but you know what, the, the, something about very quickly coming into Elam, um, given that it's, that, that it's nationwide, it's worldwide, it, it just had the sense of, um, the sense of family, the sense of being part of something bigger, the sense of the whole body of Christ, uh, working together, it felt safe and it felt like family, and uh, I think that's really exciting. And today, when we were um, singing um, a song, <laughs> the second song, "I Am a Child of God," or "I Whose I Am," um, <laughs> I like I can sing them, but ask me if I like, you know, this song. I'm no, I don't know which, you know, I'm not a worshipy leadery person. <laughs> but it talked about in our father's house. Yeah. And so not only is our house our family, but it's our father's house and it's a place where he wants you to feel secure. Yeah. He wants you to feel planted. He wants you to be contributing to his house. I um I noticed very, uh, I don't know if I should say this actually, if I'm honest, but I did, uh, it's in my notes and I was unsure, but after the worship, I just feel like I am going to say this. There is a, there is a large percentage of, particularly in, in Auckland, of Christians called a transient church. And you know, there are, there are people, and please forgive me if you are this, one of these people, and please just hear everything that I'm going to say, everything. <laughs> there are people that, that drift from church to church and, you know, um, that's what they do. That they, I've always seen church as family. So in good times and bad, through thick and thin, for better or worse, 
We're stuck with each other. Now, I do firmly believe that there are times that God tells people to move. That is, that is 100% God does move people. But I think that people move more than God says for them to move. And uh, we drift depending on our preferences. But can you imagine, because God sees us as a family, so could you imagine if your, your kids sat down for dinner that night, eh, I don't actually like what's for dinner, I'm just going to pop next door and see what they've got on offer. So if God sees us as a family, that's kind of what that's doing, isn't it? It's kind of like, actually, I don't like the rules in this house. I'm going to go down the road and see if they've got some better ones, you know, if, if you think of a biological family. But because it's our father's house, and we are his family, he does want us to be planted. He does want us to be secure. He does, the thing about having a family, and I'm sorry if you don't have family maybe here in Blenheim, but the thing about having family is they look after you. That's the purpose, you know, the purpose of family is that we would have someone to just live this life with. And that's your biological family, but it's also the family that God put you in. The, the church that God put you in is a family. I read this book over uh, January, which changed my life, uh, called Crazy Love by Francis Chan. And he says, our view of the Holy Spirit is too small. The Holy Spirit is the one who changes the church. But we need to remember that the Holy Spirit lives in us. It is, an individual, it is the individual people living spiritful lives that will help change the church. Maybe if there's something we don't like in the church that we go to, God has put you there to make a difference in that area. Just a thought. <laughs> I found this picture, and I like this picture. Because our church is not our building. We love our building. We're grateful for our building. We get to, we get to school children. We get to come in here. We don't have to set up every week. We love our building, but our, but our church is our people. Our church is you. Our church is you online. Our church is you if you're not here today. Our church is made up of people. It's not a building. There's this uh, poster that Tom gave me that he saw in, uh, hanging on a church wall, and I thought, it's pretty fitting. It's called, This is My Church. It is composed of people like me. We make it what it is. It will be friendly if I am friendly. Its seats will be filled if I help fill them. It will do great work if I work. It will make generous gifts to many causes if I am a generous giver. It will bring other people into its work and fellowship if I bring them in. It will be a church of loyalty, of love, of fearlessness, of faith. A church of noble spirit if I, if I who make it what it is, dedicate myself to this task of being all these things that I want my church to be. If we as individuals who make up our body, our family, our church, are all the things that we want in our church, our church will become all these things that our church needs to be. We make up the house of the Lord. We have DNA here in Elam because we're family, and family share DNA. I don't want to steal Julian's preach because he's got the family bit. <laughs> the first DNA point is all about invitation. And the thing I love about the fact that it's about invitation, I will explain these to you later. Obviously, you're already invited because you already come, but I will explain why you received one of these at the end. The thing I love about the concept that, that 
Elam's first DNA point is about invitation is because we serve a God who invites us first and foremost. We serve a God who does not force himself on us. He does not make us follow him, but he invites us. He invites us to salvation. He invites us into his presence. He invites us into relationship with him. Matthew 11 verse 28 says, Come to me, all you are tired and have heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Accept my teachings and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in spirit, and, will, and you will find rest for your lives. The burden that I ask you is to accept is easy. The burden that I ask you to accept is easy. The load I give you is light. How much of a breath of fresh air in the current world that we live in is it that we serve a God that says, come, Come to me when you're weary. Come to me when you're tired. Come to me when you're overwhelmed. Come to me when you don't know what else you should be doing. Come to me and I will give you rest. We live in a world that is different than it was two years ago. I mean, two years ago, I think you'll find that we all probably thought we knew the, what stress was. We knew, we, we knew the normal life of... We knew the normal... Um, Things that we had to do, the to-do lists were long and, and we, we, you know, your kids may have been playing up or you might not have had enough money. Or, you know, we, we had these normal stresses, but now we have those as well as two years on in a pandemic, as well as uh, divisions in our nation, friends on one, two sides of a line we never even knew existed more than two years ago. We have... Uh, you know, international crisis, and depending on your personality or the, the giftings that God has given you, that weighs differently and heavier on some people's hearts. But, but the world we live in is kind of in crisis, but we serve a God that invites you to come if you're heavy laden, and he will give you rest because the type of rest that he can give you cannot certainly be found in the world right now, but it can be found in him. We serve a God that invites us to come. And boy, we find so much more than rest when we come into his presence. The Bible is full of invitation. Even the most popular verse in the Bible, I was reading a, an article recently about, the, about John 3.16. It said it's almost become like a flippant verse. But actually, if you think about it, it's not a flippant verse. God so loved the world that he gave his only son for whoever believes. That's an invitation to whoever. Yeah. It's an invitation to everybody to believe. Mark 1 verse 17, come and follow me and I will make you fishermen, fishers of men. God never forced himself on anybody, but he invites us. And if God is a God of invitation, then we are his people and we are about invitation. Because invitation says... It's not all about me. You know, sometimes we can be so focused on our own lives that we don't think to reach out a hand to someone else. But the invitation says it's not all about me. It's about you and I want you to come. And it's, it's an expression of love. It says that you matter to me. When I was um, young, girl, <laughs> still young. <laughs> I like to think I'm still young anyway. But uh, when I was younger, like, you know, like 12, um, my brother used to go to... Um, my brother used to go to a youth group, and uh, he seemed to really love it, and I was like, oh, so cool. And so I used to stay up late on Friday night, and he used to come home, <laughs> and we used to, this is one of my childhood memories, I don't even know if it only happened once, but I'm pretty sure we do, it was a regular thing. 
Uh, we used to eat ice cream and watch um, WWF, Superstars of Wrestling. <laughs> I'm about connection. I don't really care what we do. <laughs> you know, like, I'll watch wrestling with you if you're going to spend time with me, you know? Um, and anyway, so that's one of my, my favorite childhood memories is that, you know, he, I've had got three older brothers and he was my favorite. And he would eat ice cream with me and we watched WWF, Superstars of Wrestling. And when he was a bit younger, probably younger than that, he used to have like the doll thing, you know, the, the figures. And my dad made him like a wrestling thing and we used to like play wrestling because he didn't want to play Barbies. So, you know, to be fair, I don't think I wanted to play Barbies either, actually. <laughs> it was more about climbing over the fence to see the neighbours and playing with Superstars wrestling noise. But anyway... <laughs> You are a product of your environment. <laughs> One day, I'm not quite sure how it happened or anything, but he had a, a bunch of his youth group friends over, and um, I don't know whether he was supposed to be babysitting me or whatever, but anyway, they were going up, they were walking up to the Howick Monterey Theatre, <laughs> and they were going to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie, and somehow I ended up going with them, and I had a great time, and I can still remember one of his friends saying to me, you should come to youth group. My brother's like, no, she shouldn't. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yeah, she should. And all the girls are like, yes, yeah, she should. And I can remember the feeling of them really wanting me to go to youth group. I can remember the feeling of feeling like they wanted me there, that, that if I didn't go because of this invitation, that my presence would be missed. I had this feeling that they cared that I went to youth group. And you know what? I went to youth group as a 12-year-old. I was welcomed. I was wanted. I found a home away from home. And essentially, apart from some time overseas, I stayed with those people until seven years ago when I moved here. The core of those people I was still with when I moved to Auckland. And who would think that 31 years later, I would remember being invited to church? But I do. So we have a lot of power in our invitation. Young people, children, you have a lot of power in your invitation to someone. To, it might change their lives. But you know what? It's not your responsibility to change your lives. It's only our responsibility to invite. On the other side of the coin, I have, um, I have three brothers, and two of them went to youth group as teenagers, different youth groups, but two of them went to youth group as, in, as young people. Each of them had a friend that invited them. And I had an older brother who wasn't ever invited, never went to a youth group. I don't know whether he had friends in his circles that weren't brave enough to ask or if he just didn't have them, but I will say not a lot about this, but I would say that his teenage years were not quite as smooth as the rest of us. We have the power to make change in someone's life. Did anyone see on an Elam, I think it was on an Elam Facebook page, about a 90-year-old that got baptized recently in one of our Elam churches? Adults, it's never too late to extend an invitation, and that invitation could change someone's life, or more importantly, someone's eternity. Especially if they're 90. They're a little bit closer than if they're 12, we hope. So our first DNA statement is invite people, but how? How do we do that? I mean, nobody really, if we, if we did a show of hands, which we're not going to, nobody really likes stepping out of our comfort zone to invite someone to church. Or, you know, they might reject you. They might not want to. That's not their thing, uh, however, whatever you could say about that. So how do we do it? Our first... Uh, our first point under this DNA is be yourself. Please, please, please be yourself. Firstly, because God made you that way. The Bible very clearly says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. 
in Psalm 139. It very clearly says in Ephesians 2.10 that you are his workmanship. He made you the way you are for a purpose. You can reach people that other people can't. So you need to be yourself. You need to be who you naturally are to invite people. You are uniquely skilled in your world with your gifts, your talents, your abilities. You are uniquely skilled to reach the people that are around you. Don't try to be anyone else. Just try to be genuine. Try to be authentic Christians reaching out to other people. You may think it's a pastor's job to reach people, but I tell you what, when you sit next to someone on a plane and you tell them that you work at a church, <clears throat> we have a different effect on people than if you say you're a builder or a nurse or a... I mean, some people are cool, but some people are not cool. <laughs> you can reach those people. When you're a builder, a plumber, a teacher, say a mum, a student, a retiree, you are more uniquely equipped to reach the builder, the plumber, the teacher, the stay-at-home mum, the student, the retiree, by being you, the real, authentic lover of Jesus. It changes. When you are the real, authentic follower of Jesus in your place, it changes how people see him. There's a, there's a saying that says, you know, before, before anyone will, will meet and accept Jesus, they'll meet you and you'll be his representative. You know, like that's not the quote, but it changes how you are in your faith and your life changes the way people see Jesus and that is a responsibility. Without you, we'll never reach the world. Number two, sowing the seed. Inviting people to church is not necessarily about getting them there. Sharing your faith is not necessarily about getting people to church. Sharing your faith is about sowing a seed. It's about investing faith into them. It's about investing stories from your life where you have exercised your faith and God has answered your prayers. Evangelism is kind of being sold to us a little bit wrong because it's not our responsibility to win souls. It's God's. It's our responsibility to plant the seed. God is going to make it grow. God is going to bring in the harvest. There's a story about seeds that I, that I read and then I Googled to make sure it was like, you know, not that necessarily finding something on Google means it's kosher, but if you hear it in a few places, then, you know. An old professor of biology used a, to hold up, held up a little brown seed in his hand. He knew just exactly what the composition of a seed, is, seed was. It was nitrogen, hydrogen, and carbon. He said, I know the exact proportions of each of these things in the seed. I can make a seed and it will look exactly like this seed. I should have brought a seed. I can make one that will look exactly like this. But if I plant my seed, it will come to nothing. Its elements will simply be absorbed into the soil. But if I plant a seed that God made, it will become a plant because that seed contains a mysterious principle called life. And when we plant a seed that God has given us into someone's life, it has a life principle and it will grow. But it's not our responsibility to make it grow. It's our responsibility to plant the seed. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 9. After, after all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seeds in the heart and Apollos watered it 
but as God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting. Lost my place. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together for the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their hard work. For it, we are both. We are all God's workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. We plant the seed. Someone waters the seed, but it's God that makes it grow. The third point, kind of already said it in the sowing the seed is, but share your God story. When someone say when. When someone says why, you know, you invite them to church and they say why, why should I come to church? You say, well, you can say anything you like really, but because God has made a difference in my life and I reckon he can make a difference in your life too. You don't need to have biblical theology down pat. You don't need to have memorized every part of the gospels. You don't need to have the answer to every question. You just need to show that God is real in your life. Like I said, in an authentic and genuine way, how God has changed your life. For many years, when uh, Campbell and I were first married and first had children, um, I look back on the time and I would call it a series of unfortunate events. (laughs) We had uh, like a lot of drama a lot of things that just went wrong, a lot of plain outright just hard times. We, uh, we rented in Auckland, which everyone will know will not be that friendly, but we had to move five times in five years with various children in tow. My second born, who's now 14, had her first, second, third, fourth, and fifth birthdays in different houses. And by the time she turned three, I already had four kids, so that tells you how many kids we had in tow. Uh, we had a knee surgery that ended up ending uh, Campbell's career. Uh, we had breast lumps removed. We had chronically ill child. We had a burglary. Cam went to police college for five months while I had four children. I was made redundant, probably missing some things that happened. But it did feel like, what next? Like, really? You know, it says in the Bible, well, it doesn't actually. They say it says in the Bible, God won't give you more than you can handle doesn't actually say that. But I used to think it did. I was like, I must think I'm a real, I'm real tough. <laughs> but you know what? People, unsaved people would often say to us, I don't know how you do it. So much going on. I don't know how you do it. And you're still smiling. Because we need to show people that no matter what's going on around us, we have a God inside us that holds us, that he is our rock. And that says more to people about your Jesus than you preaching something necessarily from the word before they're ready to receive it. Receive it, Hearing your story, not just your drama. Don't just share the drama. Don't share, just share the real story, but share God's faithfulness in your story. Share God's miracles in your story. Share the way that God has given you joy that passes all understanding. Share your love for Jesus. No matter what gets thrown at you, you're still going to serve him. Psychologists have determined that happiness is based on something that's happening around us, an external reality, but joy is something that is internally triggered. Joy comes from within. Joy comes from the Lord. That no matter what's going on. Now, I'm I'm not going to lie and say that I was always joyful. There were plenty of times that I was not happy. But I would like to say that most of the time I knew it was going to be okay. 
I did have my parents around the corner and they were very nice and helpful. But also because of God, because he is our rock, because he is our salvation, because nothing that comes against us is too much for him. And we need to share our God story, share his faithfulness, share the things he's done in our lives, and those are the things that plant the seeds that make a difference. You may share your God story and how God's being faithful in your hardship, and it may seem like nobody even, they didn't even, it made no difference. But I tell you, God plants the seed, and it will be watered, and at a right time, it will grow. Number four is making the big ask. Inviting someone is making the big ask. It's stepping out there. It's stepping out of our comfort zone. But you just got to, hey, do you want to come to church with me? There's a story recorded in Mark 1 that I want to talk to you about. It's early in Jesus' ministry. He's been baptized and he's just started traveling around. And he stood in a... synagogue, and he declared his mission on earth. And in Mark 1, verse 23, it says them, a man with an evil spirit came, and he cast a demon out, and that got people talking. Like, what kind of man is this? Who is this? After that, it says they went to where one of the disciples lived, and the mother-in-law was sick, so he healed her. And after this, you can imagine he was probably a little bit tired. So those sort of, you know, I don't know, it doesn't really say in the Bible what's happening, but you can imagine they were just sitting, chilling, having some dinner maybe, hanging out, relaxing after a busy day. And you can imagine, you know, you can start hearing kerfuffle outside and you can maybe some dogs are barking and neighbours are going, Oi, what are you doing here? There probably wasn't normally a lot of nightlife going on back then. But suddenly people started coming. And you can imagine, I don't know, one of the disciples might look out the window and go, uh, Guys, you've got, you've, got to, you've got to see what's going on here. There are people coming. And you know, the disciples were new to this. I don't know, did they think, come on, Jesus, we'll sneak out the back door. Let's go. You don't really know, do you? But, you know, what did it look like? Because people came. People heard about Jesus. He heard that, they heard that he cast out demons. They heard that he healed the sick. And they came. In whatever state they came, they came to Jesus. But how did they know? How did they know where Jesus was? How did they know to come? How did they know those things would happen? Someone told them. Someone invited them. They were invited. What did Jesus do? Did he run out the back door? Did he go on us a bit much? No, he got to work. He healed the sick. He cast out many demons. They came because they heard. And if we really know Jesus and we really know that he's changed our lives, we really know the difference he can make in someone else's life. How could we not tell people? How can we not invite people? How can we not see them transformed? And you know what? I don't think it's a case of trying harder. God, I just, I'm going to try harder today to, to share my faith. I'm going to try harder today. But rather it's a case of letting him in. James 4 verse 8 says, come near to me and I will come near to you. And when we are near to God, we are changed. And when we're near to God and we're changed, so much so that we can't help but show other people that we're changed. We can't help but share it. If we have so much of God, we've got to let him out. 
we come near to him, like his invitation right at the beginning, he invites us to come, heavy laden, weary, tired. He invites us to come into his presence, and in his presence, we are changed. So you will have hopefully received one of these on your way in. If you didn't, there are some out on the desk on the front seat. My encouragement to you is that you consider giving this to someone this week. In a moment, we're going to stand up, we're going to pray, we're actually going to pray for this piece of paper. We're going to pray for the person that it might go to, that it might plant a seed. They might only watch online, and that's okay, because God can work through that. Our first DNA statement is that we invite because God is an invitational God. Do you think that, do you think that God wants his presence, uh, the family that someone can find in his house? Do you think he wants that hidden? He doesn't. So can I invite you all to stand and we're going to pray. Please pick up your piece of paper if you've got one. If you don't, there's some at the front. But I just want to start where I start at the beginning, that God invites you to come. God invites you, no matter where you are in your life, no matter if you're far from him, if you're close to him, God invites you to come into his presence. God invites you, if you're heavy laden, to come into his presence. So we're going to start there. I just want to close your eyes. If that's you, if you just really find that you're feeling very, very burdened, but very far from God, I want to invite you to just close your eyes and to really come into his presence, to really seek him. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for each and every person in this room, each and every person online, Lord, that feels far from you, that feels heavy burdened, that feels tired, that feels overwhelmed with the things that are happening in the world. We want to thank you, God, that you gave us an invitation, that you don't force yourself on us, but you gave us an invitation to come into your presence. So right now, Lord, we choose to come. We choose to come into your presence where we find you, where we find peace, where we find hope, where we find love, where we find your power, your presence, your anointing, where we find faith. God, we choose to come into your presence right now. And we choose to ask you to change us from the inside out. Lord, that we would have joy that is internal because of you. And Lord, I pray for these pieces of paper that are in people's hands. Lord, I pray, Father, for these invitations. Lord, we give them to you. And Lord, we ask that you would lead us and guide us in who to give this to. Father, that you would lead us to a person that you are drawing into your presence, that they would come to church, that they would come into your presence. Lord, and we pray too that when they come to church or when they come online, Lord, that they would find you. As they come, they would find you, Lord. We want to thank you, Lord, that as we sow the seed, Lord, it is your responsibility to make it grow. It is your, you who saves them, not us. And we pray, Father, for these invitations to go into the hands of people that you want them to, Lord. And we pray, Father, I pray, Father, that you give us the boldness to start, the boldness to start asking, the boldness to start sharing our faith, the boldness to start sharing our God stories, the boldness to be ourselves the real, genuine, authentic lover of Jesus that you made us to be. 
Lord, I pray for each and every person that you would give us faith. You give us boldness. And Lord, that this week that you would come so powerfully into our lives with your presence and your anointing, that we would be led by you this week in everything we do, but also in giving this invitation. Thank you, Lord, for you. Amen.